Well, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. How's everybody doing? Well, this is exciting. We could, uh, we can get a little crazy today with me teaching. <laughs> um, but I am so honored. I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, but my name is Matt Collins, and if you haven't guessed, I'm the worship pastor here. And uh, I am so, so, so honored to be a part of this house of worship. Um, I can't tell you enough. Like over the past five years that I've been here, I've witnessed um, the, the faithfulness. I've witnessed uh, the trials and I've heard the stories of perseverance of this house. And I cannot tell you what an honor it is to be a part of the kingdom work that's going on at Vaughn Forest. Um, it is just a great house of worship. Um, and here, I know that we're gonna get, I'm, I'm supposed to be wrapping up Nehemiah, I know that. But I just, as your worship pastor, I just wanted to take a couple minutes and just tell you what an honor it is to just worship alongside you every week. Um, it is a privilege. Uh, I've spent many hours here uh, and it is just a sweet house of worship, and I, I can't thank you guys enough for that. The stories and the songs that are gonna be birthed out of Vaughn Forest are just gonna bless the church. Um, I felt that when I was called here. So guys, thank you so much for just coming and giving it your all to uh, God week in and week out. Um, and this house holds just a special place in our, uh, our hearts, uh, Dee and I, my wife. We just had our first uh, little one, little poppy. Uh, there she is, look at that. Look at that, she's giving you guys a thumbs up. Uh, here's, uh, leave that up here for a minute. Uh, you, guys, you guys need to pray for Dee. Um, here's why. There is no way I'm gonna be able to look at that picture, which, it's behind me, okay, it's behind me. I'm not gonna be able to look at that picture and tell that little thing no. There's no way I'm gonna be able to do that. Um, uh, and so, you know, y'all pray for Dee, but... Um, Here's why I bring that up. Today is gonna to be her first day. I don't think she's here yet, but it'll be her first day out of the house uh, with uh, a large group of people. And we couldn't think of a better place to bring her than this house of worship, listening to the, the, uh, the saints and the people here singing God's praises. And so again, it's a really special day in the Collins household, uh, just being able uh, to bring the message, worship with you guys, and then uh, have Poppy experience that. Now she probably won't remember it, but we will always point back to this and it'll be great. Um, but here's where we're at. We're in Nehemiah chapter eight and uh, we're gonna be talking about it. Well, you guessed it. I, get, I bet you can guess what we're talking about, worship. Um, so here's the thing. If you ask a worship pastor to teach, nine times out of 10, it's gonna be on worship. Um, but I think that as we look through uh, this chapter, what we can see, uh, we can kind of pull some um, we can kind of pull some things into our worship now and our praise from the people of Nehemiah, the people of Israel. Um, and I wanted to start off with this quote. I, um, it's from A.W. Tozer. It says, worship is the missing jewel of the evangelical church. I think that it is so vital for us to have a proper understanding of worship, both personal and in the corporate context. And so today I'm gonna to be pulling from material um, from two books. Uh, I just, I didn't wanna get up here without kind of reading through that. So if you like the material today, um, there are two books I would recommend to you. It'd be Holy, um, Holy Roar by Chris Tomlin and Darren Whitehead and How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. These are great worship pastors and pastors uh, and they've been doing it for a long time. And I just wanted you guys to know that this is not just uh, something that, that Matt came up with. Uh, I'm standing on the shoulders of worship pastors and pastors teaching these things for 
a while. Um, and today, it's gonna look a little different. We're gonna kind of go back and forth. We're gonna read some, uh, read some of the message. And then um, I've asked the worship team to kind of stay up here because we're gonna, we're gonna actually like try to put this in practice here um, if God's leading you to do that. And so I just wanted to give some space for that. And I, you know, the going back and forth, I was like, I didn't wanna, they, I didn't wanna confuse them by, hey, come on and get out here. So I just asked them to sit up here. Um, but I, I need you guys to know this. This is not any thing different than what we do on a Wednesday night, really. Uh, we kind of gather, we, we talk about the message, we pray over it, we pray over you guys, we prepare our hearts for God to use that. So today, I just want to tell you guys that you are part of the praise team too. So we're just gathering here and we're talking about what the Lord is gonna be laying on our hearts today. So in Nehemiah 8, that's where we're gonna be at, we're gonna see some interesting things that happen as the people of God read God's word and what happens with them. So It'll be on the screens, but chapter uh, eight, verses one says this. All the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the, uh, the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given them Israel to obey. So on October 8th, Ezra, the priest, brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included men and women and all children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate. From early morning until noon, he read aloud to everyone who could understand and all the people listened closely to the book of the law. So what's going on here? They're gathering, much like today, uh, maybe not the fancy you know, modern building with the AC, I think the AC's on it, either AC or heat wanted to. But they're gathering here and they're reading, the, they're reading God's word. So let's pick up verse five. It says this, Ezra stood on a platform in full view of the people. And when they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. And when Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, all the people chanted, amen, amen. As they lifted their hands, then they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their face to the ground. So what's happened here? The people gathered, um, Ezra opens a word, he reads it, the people responded. Ezra prays and the people joined in with him. So when we hear our Father's voice, we respond. So if you're a child of God and you hear God's word, we, his voice, we respond, we worship. So the first thing that I want you guys to understand about everything today is that worship equals response. And uh, response equals worship. Other way around, that's what I wrote on the screen. So if you're taking notes, follow that. Uh, and then, um, so there's a quote uh, from Louis Giglio. He's the pastor of uh, Passion City Church, uh, started the Passion Movement. He says this, and he defines worship as this. He says, worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to, to God for who he is and what he's done for us, expressed in and by the things we say and the way that we live our lives. So, by that definition, how did the people respond in this story? Well, if you look in verse six, it says they lifted their hands and they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their face to the ground. And then some, uh, some translations say that they responded, they lifted their hands and responded. So the people responded with lifted hands and bowing down. They worshiped by lifting their hands and bowing down. So worship, raising our hands in worship is a very biblical thing that you see. In fact, it's one of seven different forms that you read in Hebrew uh, of how to praise God. 
uh, in English, we only have one word for praise, and it kind of loses its translate. It loses its meaning when it's translated. Um, but there are seven different forms of praise in Hebrew. So today we have seven points. So go ahead, take those pins out. We're going to get started. I'm just kidding. We're not. We're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to do two that we see when we read uh, in that in Scripture. So the first that you see is uh, they lifted their hands. So that is the praise yadah, which means to lift, to revere, to worship with extended hands, to hold out hands. And we see this a lot in Psalms. We see this a lot throughout there. In fact, um, Psalms uh, 67 verse three says, may the people lift their hands to you, yadah, God. May all the people lift their hands to you or yadah. So that you'll see that that's kind of how that translates there. So it might sound a little strange that you know, people are lifting their hands as, as God's words being read to them. Um, it might even feel strange if you're doing that now, but I, I wanna kind of encourage you to think through that. I, wanted, I want to, to think through that raising our hands is kind of a, a natural response in excitement, awe, and wonder. Um, you know, let's, let's take it out of the context of church and let's place it maybe in sports. Uh, let's talk about football. Some of your eyes started twitching. I saw that because uh, that's a there's a there's some scars there from last night. I'm sorry, um, you know, but let's let's pretend that in a perfect world everybody had a great season, um, and then uh, your team won the the biggest game they ever played. Uh, sorry, Auburn. Um, here and here's what I need you to know: if they won, they would. What what, what are they going to do? They're gonna lift their hands, shout praise. I think if you didn't do that, you would probably be a little out of place uh, if you weren't doing that. Um, so maybe, maybe football's a little bit too fresh on the heart for you. So let's talk about uh, a sport that maybe is not in season. So baseball, that was probably a safe one. World Series, let's take it all the way back to uh, 2016. Who won the World Series then? Cubs, Chicago Cubs. Now, let me tell you this. They had not won a game since 1908. That is a long time, folks. Uh, that means that people were born, they became fans, they lived a full life, and the Lord took them home, and they never saw their Cubs win a World Series. That, is, that takes a lot of faith and dedication I, that I just, I don't have that. Um, but so that day that they won, I guarantee you, there were a lot of hands raised and shouting and celebrating going on and if you don't believe me, I got proof of it. So turn, turn your heads to the, the screens real quick. This is going to be a tough play. Brian, the Cubs win the World Series! So man, that that's there's electricity. I'm not even a baseball fan, and I got I got amped up about that. Bill Murray was so scared the Lord was going to call him home before he saw his Cubs win. Man, those were tears of joy uh, rolling down his face. Um, so yeah, there like you can see there's something to that lifting their hands and excitement and awe and wonder, uh, celebrating with your team. Um, 
maybe you're not a sports person. Maybe that's not you. Um, or, you know, I'm, I'm not a baseball or, or, or a football fan, but I do like soccer, and I can look around the room and tell we're, we're probably not going to talk about soccer today. Um, but what we can talk about is maybe music. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you like uh, going to concerts and stuff like that. I love the band Coldplay. You can ask my wife. Uh, literally, one of the first albums that I was showing Poppy was Parachutes. Uh, we were playing that in the, the hospital room uh, while she was crying, getting her, to, getting her to know the words. I needed her to understand that this was Daddy's favorite, favorite band. Um, so anytime that they're near, anytime they're around and they're touring in the U.S., like, I'm there. Um, Ask D, I will do, and we're not talking about like nosebleed seats. We're talking about I'm on the floor. Uh, we paid a lot of money for those tickets. I'll just say that. Um, but there's, I'm there. It's, it's an experience. I'm meeting new friends of all generations. And yes, grannies and grandpas do know who this band is because I met a few when they were there. We, we, they told me about their kids. They told me about their grandkids. We laughed. We cried. It was an awesome time. Um, but it's a community when we go there. We, you know, the band starts playing, uh, people are singing, they're dancing, they're having a good time. And, you know, here's, here's what I need to tell you. They, they don't care if they can sing or not because the people behind me, they, they usually never can. And it's amazing. We have a great time anyway. Um, so why am I bringing this up? Why am I talking about football? Why am I talking about baseball? Why am I talking about uh, bands and music? Well, I'm bringing that up because I need you to understand this, that if I am that way for football, if I am that way for baseball, if I'm that way for any hobby or a band, then I need to be that way and more for my Savior and my King of Kings. That is what our response is to him. So my king, the people that we're up here singing, or the, the, the God that we're singing to with these people up here, we're singing to a holy savior. He came and he purchased us. So he deserves all of me, everything that I have. And so hear me say this. Am I saying, you know, when we, when we worship here, that we have to lift our hands? Absolutely not. That's one of seven different ways that we can worship him. But what I am saying is hopefully, hopefully, your excitement, your awe, and your wonder for God is greater than the things of this world. Has anybody seen the, the movie uh, Last Crusades, Indiana Jones? Okay, do you remember the scene at the end when the lady is reaching for the chalice and Indiana's like, just let it go, let it go. And then what does his dad say to him? He says, let it go. That is us chasing worldly things. And our father is saying, let it go. Because if you are chasing worldly possessions, you will eventually diminish and fade just like those things. Our heavenly father invites us into an eternal purpose. And he asks one thing of you, your worship, to give your life to him. And so when we lift our hands, it is an active posture of praise expressed by those who adore God. So as your worship pastor, I could talk about these things all day. I can, I love talking about it. But worship is not talking, it's our response to God. Worship is our adoration for God, for who he is, which he is holy and set apart, and what he's done for us, redeemed us. He's redeemed his creation through his son, Jesus Christ. And so 
when we sing, so we're about to sing a song and it really ties in nicely with this chapter of Nehemiah. Um, it's an older contemporary song uh, that it, it goes between two uh, different passages. It's Nehemiah verse 10, which I'll read that really quick. And then Isaiah six. Uh, but the, the lyrics say this, it says, we stand and we lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord our strength. We bow down and we worship now how great, how awesome is he. And so that is Nehemiah 10. It says, Nehemiah continued, go celebrate with uh, fist, fist, with uh, fe- uh, feast of rich foods, sweet drinks, and share gifts of food with people who have not prepared. That in itself, that's, that's Thanksgiving. I mean, come on, that, we can take that. Uh, there's a whole passage that can, we, can, we can unpack that. But the next part, he says, this is a sacred day before our God. Do not be dejected or sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So that's where this is coming from. And then Isaiah six, it says, holy is the Lord. This is the chorus of the song that we're gonna sing. Uh, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. So worship songs, I've heard it said, is take home theology. Um, We're placing scripture to music to remind us of God's grace and mercy in our lives and what he's done for us. Uh, think about it. We, we sing our ABCs, right? I don't, I've not met one person that was like, hey, tell me, do your ABCs. And they go, A, B, C, D. They don't do that. They sing it. Uh, it helps us remember music is powerful, a powerful tool. Um, and we sing, when we come together and we sing, it's important because we're, we're declaring God's word over our lives. So when we walk through valleys, we have that scripture in our head guiding us. We have our Father's voice being the guiding light through that valley. Remember, when we hear our Father's voice, we respond. So scripture is our Father's voice. He gave that to us. And so, again, I told you it's gonna look a little different today. So we're gonna stand, we're gonna sing this song. Um, And if God's leading you to do any of that stuff that you just read about, do that, respond to him. So we're gonna sing, but I need, to, I need to ask you this, consider your heart's posture when you're singing to him. So let's stand and let's sing together.
joy of the Lord is our strength. We bow down and worship Him now. How great, how awesome is He. Together we sound amazing. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, so we talked about lifting hands. So I said there's going to be two forms that we read about in this passage. So the next one that you see in here in verse six is bowing down. They bow down and they worship the Lord, their faces to the ground. This, uh, this is uh, bowing um, in Hebrew. The form of praise that that is, is called barak, which means to kneel, to bless, uh, as, as an act of adoration, praise, to salute, to think. And we see this a lot in scripture. Um, in fact, in Psalms alone, we, we read this form of praise 289 times. That's, that's a lot. The psalmist really wanted us to understand this 
this act of praise. Um, and I think it's really, really important for us to understand that. But I also think that this is one of the hardest for us to kind of wrap our heads around. Um, because when we kneel, nothing about kneeling says, look how great I am. In fact, it is saying, look how great the king is. Um, so we're reading this and you're like, you might be saying, well, Matt, that's Old Testament. We're in the Old Testament. Um, that's Nehemiah. We live in the New Testament, covenant of grace through Jesus Christ. You would be 100% right. But let's, look, let's, let's peel back what worship actually is in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So in Hebrew, um, the word for worship is shekah, which means to bow. Um, so in wor- to worship in Hebrew means to bow. Uh, in Greek, so our New Testament, uh, the Greek word for worship is proskuneo, which means to prostrate yourself before God. So in Greek, it means to bow even lower. Um, so when you read these things, there's no way around to respond to God is to bow to him because he is king of kings. Um, and if you really kind of think what's going on when people are bowing, um, it is placing our heart and minds on God's holiness, placing him on the throne of our heart. It's not just physically bowing. Uh, so hear me say that. Like there, there it is, it's placing our, our mindset to worship God for who he truly is and who he says he is, holy and set apart from everything that we know. So when we see people bowing, they're feeling the weight of the glory and splendor of the Lord. So it is a heart posture. God wants your heart. I I want you to hear me say that. He wants your heart. And if he has that, he has your worship. So for for the people of Israel that when we're reading that, they're thinking and blessing the Lord. And matter of fact, Ezra, that word praise, when he said praise the Lord, he was blessing the Lord. He was using, it was that, uh, it was Barak, uh, that praise that he was doing there. Um, so they understood God's word. And when they, they understood that the great I am was speaking to them through his word to them. So when you understand who God is, we respond appropriately. And again, worship is our response to who God says he is. And he says, I'm holy and I'm set apart. I am the great I am. I am who I am. So worship isn't something that you explain though. It is something that you experience. So when we worship corporately, like what we're doing now, you are expressing how you live your life daily outside of these walls for God. This is a house of worship. And if we can't fully worship God here, let me just tell you this, outside of these walls is gonna be so much harder because everything in this world worships everything else. And so when we come together, these are like-minded people singing praises and reminding of God's grace in your life. Um, And so hear me say, we are here to worship a holy God. And I want you to also know that you can have all the knowledge in the world about worship and never worship at all because Jesus says you have to worship in spirit and in truth. So you experience worship. So if God is moving you to respond to him, maybe that is lifting hands. Maybe it'll be the first time that you've experienced that to praise him, to lift him, then respond to him that way. 
If he's asking you to kneel, to thank him, to bless him for the things that he's doing, I want you to look around this room. There's plenty of space to do that. There's a front here, there's the aisles there, there's the seats next to you. You need to feel safe to do that here because this is the house of the Lord. We worship him here. And so if he's moving you, I want you to understand that is your response to him, your worship. And I want you to also know the only person that can give worship to him for you is you. No one else can do that. And it is the only thing that you have to give a God who created everything. He wants you and your heart. So as we respond today, I want you, is your excitement, is your awe and wonder for God, does he have that? If not, there are some things that we need to bring before God. Does he have your focus? Does he have your adoration? Guys, I'm talking to you too, because our families need to see us worshiping God. We are the leaders of our household. I want Poppy to come in here and see her daddy worshiping the King of Kings and to take after me with that. I want the posture of my heart to be focused on the King who gave everything for me because I want her to follow him. I want her to walk with him. And so we're gonna respond. And however that looks, that's on you. That's up to you. That's your worship. But I want, us to, I want you to know that worship is not about preference. Never has been. Worship, <laughs> what we're doing here, it's about God. So it doesn't matter the songs we sing. We can sing all the songs, the right songs every day and never worship him because we're not worshiping in spirit. He's asking for you. So let's stand and let's come before him and respond to a holy God.
this world King of endless worlds No one could express How much you deserve Yeah. 
Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you for the gift that you've given us. God, to remember your grace and your mercy in our lives, God. God, I ask that we would worship you freely. God, to show a world that there is so much joy in you. To quit seeking the things of this world because they will only lead to our destruction. We see it time and time again. So, Father God, I ask that you would lead us in repentance, God, in obedience to you, to respond to who you are. God, hearts bound before you to lift praises to you, God, so our families and this world can see that there is hope and joy in you. It's in your son's holy and pleasing name, Jesus Christ. Amen.